From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. It's so great to be back here and uh, we are in a Lenten season. We are nearing Easter and our topic and our scripture passage has to do with that. Uh, But before I I dive in, uh, I'd like to introduce us. I'm Scott Armstrong, as I said, and to my right, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. To my left, Natalie Franco. Hi, guys. And from Barbados, joining us virtually, Dario Richards. Hi, guys. (laughs) We are going to talk today about a passage that I feel, I I love this psalm. I'm not sure. Emily, maybe you can help me. Have we ever, in all of our scripture spotlights that we've done uh, as a part of this podcast, have we ever dedicated an episode to a psalm? I don't believe so. I I think this is our first psalm, amazingly enough, out of all the chapters in the Bible, and there's a lot of psalms to choose from. Yes, yes. Well, we're going to do it today, and uh, we try to alternate uh, many times, New Testament, Old Testament. Um, but but we thought it was appropriate, and this psalm does have some implications. You know that we are a podcast that deals with missions and culture and healthy church, and so this psalm deals with all of that. We're, we're not going to have time to read the whole psalm. It's Psalm 22, but uh, this psalm is known, well-known, in fact, for a lot of the verses that uh, really refer to Jesus on the cross. In fact, maybe we could better say uh, Jesus himself, as he was crucified— and the narratives of the of the Gospels really refer back to this psalm. Let me tell a little bit of, uh, about that and read some of those verses, and then we'll kind of move into the part that's forgotten sometimes about this this passage. Everyone likes the, the part that deals with the the, the narrative on about the cross and uh, about the the passion of Christ, but that we forget verses twenty two or twenty four on. Right. So, uh, first of all, let's just kind of kind of read here. Verse one says, "My God." my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? He goes on to verse 7 and 8, and they say, all who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Sounds familiar, right? Um, <laughs> verse verse 8, he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. You remember that that was said about Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Uh, we, we go on and we see in verse 16 and then 8, Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Oh, okay. That, again, that sounds very familiar, even though this was centuries before the crucifixion. And then it says in verse 18, they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. This is, of all the Psalms, of all the things that Christ himself could have referred back to, he ends up crying out the first verse of this psalm, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So before we kind of dive in to the last part of the psalm, which is very important, we can't we can't leave it, but but for now, uh, Dario, maybe you could start us. What, what are your first impressions about this psalm? Yeah, I think one of my uh, first impressions, like I'm always, you know, they're always, and it's probably not about the psalm, but just the Bible, Generally, <laughs> I'm always um, fascinated by the consistency of the scriptures and many of the conversations that are had around, you know, how legitimate the Bible is, etc. And just to see how consistent um, the psalm that is being captured all of these years before. 
um, it's just a direct replica. It's a, it's a, it's like a perfect representation of the actual experience of Jesus. And I think for me, even you know, outside of the psalm, like the reason why we were even paused to study scriptures is just because of how powerful, you know, just because of how um, alive really the Word of God is, mm. and how we have the capacity to gain from. Um, any scripture, any portion. So, so my my what stands out to me immediately isn't like what is written specifically in the psalm, but just the consistency of the psalm to match. As you were sharing, um, Scott, like we can see Jesus's experience in this, which was captured so many years, and it just reveals um, that God consistently, He always had a plan that would come into perfect fruition. So, I think that's. That's your first major highlight for me. Yes, and I I can say about these first verses, <laughs> when I read this, I was kind of laughing because I was looking at myself the way David was kind of complaining. And I was like, yes, I've been there too. <laughs> like, I've been time when, when I feel like overwhelmed and I have this situation and I'm really transparent in front of God and I'm like, Jesus, this is happening and I don't want to complain. Trust me, I don't want to complain because I know that you are Lord and you are faithful and, and I praise him. Like, And then I come back again and I'm like, but this is happening, God. And mm -hmm. and I'm like this and I feel this way. Um, So I completely understand David and when he was kind of writing this and I'm like, yes, yes, I know. Um, But I know that his position of like, This is what I'm dealing with, but I know who you are. I know your nature, God. I know that you are a faithful God, and I know that you won't, will not leave me. So that's why I praise you. Even though I am in the midst of this situation, I will not stop praising your name because even though I'm here, I know I will not be here later mm. on. So I praise you while I am fighting this battle. But I also was able to notice something like why he will trust in the Lord. Um, and he was kind of saying, um, oh, this is what I noticed, that he was able to trust because this is what he see in his fathers. When he was saying in the verses, our fathers hope in you and you delivered them. They cried out to you and you were delivered. They trust in you and you were not put to shame. That was in verse four to five. So he, he was able to see what was happening with his ancestors, the way they trust. They were also um, dealing with situations, but he was able to see how they they trust in him and how God delivered them from the situation. So that's, that's why he was trusting mm -hmm. the Lord. Mm -hmm. And also um, he was trusting the Lord in verses nine and 10 because the confidence he has about his past experiences based on the fact that God has taken care of him since, he, since his birth. Uh, when he was saying, from my mother's womb, you were my God. So he, he trusts that God since the very beginning was yeah. taking care of him. So I trust you because of that as well. So this is something I'm, I'm able to see and it speaks to me a lot um, to think about what God has done with my parents, with my family, with my ancestors, but also in my own life, how he has worked. And I know he's going to remain faithful. 
I'm glad you mentioned this actually, because he does, this is a Psalm of David and he does move from like complaining and crying out and, and he has right to do so perhaps. Right. But then he consistently, there are, there are the words, at least in the new international version that says, but yet. And so he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then like verse three, that was verse one. And then he complains verse three, yet you are enthroned as the Holy one. And then he kind of goes on and praises. Yes, you're that God. I don't feel it, but yeah. and then he comes back and he says, verse six, but I am a worm and not a man. Right. And so, and then, and then, so he starts complaining and then, and then comes, comes back in verse nine, but I trust in the Lord. You brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you. You know, I identify just like you, Natalie, I identify with this. And Emily, I know that you have noticed this whole Psalm kind of moves that way, but really at the end, it takes quite the turn. Yeah, I think um I I <laughs> I don't know if Natalie if you've heard of like the mystics, you know, as you start to study the church there there's a part of church history that there's always been like this mystical side and um I think if I were alive during those times that I would have been drawn to like that side of of theology, right? Like I love the mystical nature of God and um I think as a church, we can forget that every single word of the Bible is God's word, like, right? Like he inspired David to write these words. These were not human words that were coming out. This was God's word in David coming out for the church. And so here's the mystical nature side of it, right? Like imagine Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, inspiring David to see his world this way because he knew that I will be on the cross one day and I will need these words for myself, oh. right? Like I'm going to give you these words because I need these words. Mm. And I think those are the kinds of things that as I start to think about who God's created us to be of this, he's a hundred percent human and a hundred percent divine. And when we believe in holiness, that we can be holy as he is holy, like we have to be able to hold both of those things in tension within our own spirits, right? Like we are in this flesh, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I think about, and I'm encouraged by these types of words of even Jesus himself needed to, like Scott was saying, bounce between these emotions, right? Like, like here's the raw emotion. This is my reality. I am in mental anguish. I am in emotional anguish. I am in physical anguish. And however, yet, but I recognize (laughs) that this is God's will. I recognize, and that's where it pops to verse 24 for me. We have to hold that verse one, what you've forsaken me, you know, like this is, this Mm -hmm. is the feeling that I have. And it pops to 24 for me where it says, For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. So it's like Jesus, even on the cross, has this feeling of being forsaken and at the same time says, but he did not hide it. Like our feelings, I feel like we're in a space of society and community right now that it's like feelings run who we are. What I feel is my reality. And this verse specifically speaks to me and says, hey, your feelings are real. And what I hear myself telling my daughter, my teenage daughter a lot is your feelings can ride, but they can't drive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what Jesus is saying here is it's like, these are the feelings and I'm going to get it out. Like I'm going to give them space. I'm going to honor them. I am going to, to show you how it is. 
And at the same time, I'm going to rest in the fact that the father knows. The father knows what we are doing in this space. And I'm going to live into this space. And I'm going to trust that God is sovereign and that he's got all of this under control. So to me, it's a very inspiring Lenten passage during, during these weeks that we're thinking about the passion of Christ. It really is a declaration of faith, even by Jesus. He's not saying, you've abandoned me. What's going on? He's actually calling into account the whole psalm, the whole psalm, which is, anguish, but also faith, right? right. And, and, and in verses 22 through 31 through the end, they kind of seem like a separate psalm. It's like, wait, where did we go there? But but let me give you a little taste. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I will praise you. Uh, Emily, you mentioned you have not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. Later, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. Dario, I wanted to ask you, obviously, this is the same psalm. What? (laughs) That's pretty profound, right? Why is it important that we don't divorce the the first part from this last part? Yeah, you know, like, like the more we talk about it, the more, you know, you just keep seeing the example of Jesus in it. Um, and and this part specifically reminds me not exactly when Jesus was on the cross, but when he was in the garden. Hmm. You know, and in the garden, he's, he's, his sweat has become blood. He's in full anguish, you know, like, take this cup away from me. And then there's a, you know what? Not my will, but your will be done. You know, this 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 seemed to be a radical shift, a radical change, um, just in Jesus's posture towards what God is doing and what God is calling him to. And I see the same the same type of um, heart here, in that you know, like how we feel shouldn't, as Emily was just sharing, it shouldn't um, distract or shake or remove who we know and believe God to be. And despite the fact that in the moment, because of what we are currently experiencing, because um, even deeper, it don't don't just be feelings. It does also be a real experience, you know, a real experience of anguish and despair, which causes these feelings to emerge. But in the midst of these, not being, um, not having the view of who God is, what he has done and what he can do to be distorted. And I think once in the midst of, of our horrible experiences, we are able um, to keep the right perspective of who God is. Yeah. Um, when we are able to get the, the pain and the suffering out, then our brains can, you know what? <laughs> but remember, <laughs> this is who He is, you know? Uh, so I see that pattern, like just maintaining in the midst of all that we're going through, maintaining a right and an accurate perspective of who God is, uh, what He has done, and what He has the capacity to do. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something that jumps out to me there. So Natalie, what do you think? We're, we're nearing Holy Week. We're, we're remembering Christ's sacrifice, but this has a lot to tell us, right? I mean, have you identified with this passage in any way? Yes, I do. It talks to me personally. And I remember one time, actually it was last year, we were, as the church, we were not moving anywhere. And I remember... On Sundays, it was like the time I was feeling that the most. And I was in the back of the church because I was kind of taking care of the sound equipment. Mm. Uh, and every every single Sunday of last year, I was crying because I was 
I was able to see what was happening, nothing at all. Yeah. And even after the Sunday services, I, I got these opportunities and it was not only once, it was three or four times where I was talking with my pastor and we were crying together mm. because we were able to see the same thing and we were praying about it. We were praising the Lord in the midst of this situation that we all noticed. It was something that everybody noticed. And even though we were in the midst of lots of activities, like we thought like that we were moving, but we didn't go anywhere. Mm. We were praying, God, can you, what? It seems like you're in silent because we don't feel your Holy Spirit in here. Mm -hmm. We are just getting together, reunited and coming and but nothing is happening. We were even thinking to connect with leaders from Mexico to help us with discipleship or with anything. Mm -hmm. We just needed something, answers to, to move forward. And in the right moment, Project Genesis came to the central district of the Dominican Republic in mm. the right moment. Mm. And I think it was important for us to be in that stage of nothing happening. Mm. Um, so the, not only the board of the church or the leaders, but all the church got involved in that project. And we all embraced that project of become a healthier church and missional church. And I can say... God has been faithful. Mm. I can see my church moving. I can see people really praising the Lord with all his heart. Um, I can see everybody getting involved, not only the leaders. I can see a movement. I can see we're not only moving, but growing. And I'm happy. I'm happy. And I know that God, it's, it's faithful. Mm. So in the midst of all this situation, we were not complaining, but like saying, God, where are you? Yeah. And now we are able to see he was working in silent. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. For those who don't know, this podcast is a product of the ministries of Genesis um, and of global missions in our region. And uh, Genesis has sought out the possibility of training already existing urban churches to be more missional. And that's what, uh, Natalie, you are referring to, you know, a, a process of walking with your local church and your pastor and your board through, oh, what are the weaknesses? What are the strengths? Uh, but but how can we do better? And and you guys have come out the other side and, and, and God has been faithful. Emily, it does make me think as they've become more missional, as they've become more, they've impacted their community in different ways already through going through this process. This psalm has a lot of missional implications. What jumps to your mind as you read those last verses? Sure. Well, I <laughs> I think I, I, we've talked on this podcast before, probably. I feel like I've said it before that like that it's almost impossible for me to read the Bible without this missional lens on it. So I feel like I can probably always pull something out of any type of passage without really proof texting too much. But in this one, how could you not go to that point when it's constantly talking in the very end about um, the families of all the nations will worship his, he rules over the nations. He He's talking about all of these different cultures and future generations that will serve him. And 
as I read those types of phrases that, again, the Holy Spirit inspired David to write, like David is in a prophetic moment at this moment. When he's writing this psalm, it's not just like a a result of my present reality. Like he is prophesying in this moment things that will happen with Jesus on the cross. And then he goes further to prophesy what the end times look like, right? Like in this one psalm, we have so much present near future, post future, eternity, like he talks about everything. And it jerks my mind back to on the cross when Jesus is literally on the cross, what's the sign that they decide to put over his head? Jesus, King of the Jews. And uh, and they literally translate it to every language so that everybody can see that he's king of the Jews, right? And the Jewish leaders were like, no, put on there, he said he's the king of the Jews. And they're like, and Pilate says, what I have written, this is let it be written, let it be done. Jesus, King of the Jews. And it's in different languages. And people from all nations are there celebrating Passover. They all see this crucifixion take place. And so many of them are a part of resurrection power as well. And it is this same Jesus that suffers on the cross. It's the same Jesus that feels all of these things. It's the same Jesus that dies, that literally raises to become the King of the nations. And David, in this moment, there had to have been such... um, to me, there had to have been such this, this mentality of knowing that he is the God of nations. And David at this point in time is like the king of the Jews, right? Like David is the king of the Jews. And he is all of a sudden prophesying that there is something that's bigger than me happening. He's the number one king all over the world. Everybody recognizes this nation. Everybody recognizes that the God that they serve has done something amazing in this people group. And David says, but I'm, I'm still not that. Like there's something more that happens in this. And this is a God for all nations. And so I think as the church, like it would behoove us to say, we will recognize that the passion of Christ is something that drives us into mission. It's something that from God's heart at the very beginning of the passion of Christ was that all nations would come to him. All nations would bow and recognize him as the King of King and Lord of Lords. And it never was just like an afterthought. It never was something that humans thought for themselves. It was always in the heart of God. And so as the church, when we bring that into ourselves and we say, yes, we want to be a part of verse 27 says, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nation shall worship before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. I say yes and amen. Like I want to be a part of that kingdom. Amen. Oh, that is an excellent, excellent uh, word for us, Emily. Thank you. Thank you for what you have said. And this is true. It's the same psalm. In fact, sometimes theologically, I'm like, hey, all of the people that say, oh, God truly did forsake Jesus. He said it from the cross. He, that's why God the Father truly turned his back on him. And I think... Did you miss the rest of the psalm? Right. I, mean, I mean, Jesus is quoting the first verse, uh, but he's also, by quoting that first verse, he's also saying, ah, but you haven't. The whole point is you haven't abandoned me. Right. I feel this way. I have to pronounce and announce and, 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 and cry out and say this. At the same time, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 
referring to this entire psalm. I'm telling you, God is faithful. And literally what's happening here on the cross will touch future families, generations, and, and the nations. Woo. Uh, okay, I can, I can keep going on <laughs> Maybe this we one. should be missionaries someday, Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we are missionaries, actually. And you can, uh, <laughs> and if you would like to, to uh, talk to us, and if you would like to um, get a hold of us, or even if you would, hey, maybe God is calling you, maybe through yeah. this text. Maybe through uh, some of these episodes that you have heard, uh, you would like to know more. Emily, how can they get in touch with us? We'd love to have a conversation with you over on our Facebook page, The Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also find us online at mesoamericagenesis.org. Awesome. Well, we are The Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm Dario Richard. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.